Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Takeaway Club where I talk to interesting people across different walks of life to get to know their stories and more importantly how they got to where they are including their motivations, habits, routines and aspirations some of which we can apply to our own lives. In the latest episode of the Takeaway Club podcast, I chat with Tejaswita Apte, a couples coach, legal and relationship consultant and a TEDx speaker. She is also one of the top writers on Quora with over 120,000 followers and has written over 2,000 answers across law, relationships, spirituality and so on. To quote Nagarajan Srinivasan, another top writer on Quora, Teja is a true polymath. who knows law politics neuroscience psychology philosophy movies spirituality yoga art poetry literature and the epic mahabharata while we don't delve deep into a lot of those subjects we do speak a lot of politics law and marriages full disclosure given teja's background in law and politics the conversation naturally takes a turn to those areas both of which i'm totally underqualified to talk about as i repeatedly stress in the conversation uh, so all brilliance in this episode it is all tejas and any faults you can assume it is all me without further ado let's jump into the conversation So I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, Me too. Thank you. I'm I'm a little embarrassed that I hadn't come across your Quora profile uh, all these years. And it's probably because I'm not very active right now. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of an understatement at <laughs> more than a million followers. <laughs> and I yeah, I think you have like over 2000 answers as well, right? Yeah, I've written. I've been writing since two thousand thirteen, wow. so or twelve, I think. So I I have uh, Deepak to thank for, uh, no, uh, helping me get you on. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> he was so, kind enough. Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is like the gift that keeps giving for me first, <laughs> right from my school time. So, um, Deepak ji, I'm sure uh, you are listening. Uh, whenever this is out, and thank you for that. along with yeah uh, thank you that you have been uh, pouring over the years i am super glad to connect with uh, teja and have this conversation <laughs> and i thought a good place to start would be uh, hear your story you have one of the most interesting journeys that anyone might hear as a matter of fact so who's teja and what is her story ah where do i start so um i am right now into couples coaching and legal and relational consulting which was uh, which is slightly different from what i was doing before so by profession i'm a lawyer um i've studied the indian law and the french and the european law and um but i also got the opportunity to experience relationships and learn about them at a global scale and i realized that a lot of my interest lies in in interpersonal relationships and uh, psychology and and uh, neuro linguistic programming and things like that so so i i started studying about that along the way as well and uh, indirectly i've been doing this uh, when i was consulting on divorce or marriage or uh, i was doing a lot of consulting relating to assisted reproductive technology so i was counseling surrogates and commissioning couples and i was anyway doing all of that so i realized okay this is something that really interests me and i kind of made this transition so here i am right now doing this uh let's see where things go here after and uh what else would you like to know about my journey it becomes very vague actually <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we can Anything start off from uh, from france you know france is always an exciting place to yeah start off so i was in Yeah, I was. I moved to France last year, and that's also because I I speak French. 
so um it was one of the ways in which i could you know combine my language skills and um study the french and european law because i it's always been an interest of mine uh, so i got the opportunity to do that last year and i got into a very very good i mean the best of france actually i got into pontion sorbonne so i was like i'm i cannot leave this opportunity so that was one of the reasons why i moved and i was looking at the the things that i can learn there so yeah that's been the last more than one year actually and then i got an opportunity to work there as well that was the other thing on my mind to get an international exposure of working with people from different countries to also learn about interpersonal skills again so and of course the law so how does it work when you have uh, your bachelor's degree from uh, basically studying the indian constitution and uh, going mm-hmm. on study master masters in france so do do you only learn like uh, the french laws there or i'm not sure if uh, all of europe follows the same law maybe you can uh, no. no 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 all of yeah all of europe obviously does not follow each country has their own laws uh but european union because it's trying to create uh, the supranational entity which is like a federation of different states so they also have european laws to bring about a homogeneity within europe uh and of course they've succeeded to do that in a couple of areas in couple of other areas there are still disputes and things like that so what i studied in france basically was french law mainly and a bit of european law because today studying french law without studying european law is not complete understanding of the french law so that's the reason why you i i studied a bit of european law as well to understand the impact of of european union on on france basically um the what i studied like the french law that i studied was like a brief introduction to french law uh which allows me to go deeper and study so what i studied basically was all the major aspects of law that we study uh in brief so that you know it can prepare me if i if i want to give the paris bar next year or in a couple of years it it gives a good background for that that was my what what my degree was all about right that that must be a very fascinating experience uh, and if i'm not mistaken you don't study it in english as well it's french no. law in yeah. french yes it was completely in french everything which was difficult of course because when i say i speak french i had studied the language here which means that i had studied literature and you know the name and language right whereas the legal language obviously is more complicated so yeah that was difficult but it was also very very interesting yeah and it doesn't help that even the english laws sound like french and latin <laughs> yes we do borrow a lot even in yeah right so what are some of uh, yeah. the most defining experiences that you have had in france in the last few months anything transformative something that uh, really uh, put things in a different perspective for you uh yeah actually a lot of things did, i mean i mean it, it a it comes with exposure right i mean even if i hadn't studied law and I had i just traveled abroad and stayed there it uh, doesn't even matter which country it opens me up to a different kind of exposure so a yeah, it's that but if you have to really talk about transformative um, what i really appreciate uh, in or was really thankful for to the to the french speaking world was uh, a lot of the french values that i i learned about and uh, understood because also because i studied the law that is something that is is going to stay with me the first one for instance is is more of a occident i mean uh, oriental and occidental difference probably the difference between the east and the west wherein um the western culture is uh, lower on context so they are a low context culture which means that when they interact it's more simpler than when we interact because when we interact let's say you and i are speaking there is a lot of context that's unspoken when i hear your word, name for example i get a context as to where you're coming from i come to know your background i come to know your socio economic status most likely all of this is a huge amount of context whereas when a country is more homogeneous where a, where where a culture is more um open and has given a lot of importance to uh, science 
it is a low context culture where where things are simpler comparatively this is not to say they don't have their complexity and they don't have their problems that's obviously not what i'm saying but yeah so this was something that was very different for me uh, to see observe and uh, learn from that was something i don't know if i'm if 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 it's clear enough or not yeah actually i had one of uh, one of the guests on the podcast earlier uh, hari ganapati so he has mm-hmm. he runs this amazing uh, startup here in chennai called picker trail uh, mm-hmm. which which helps uh, people you know travel all these foreign countries and back when he was in college uh, he brought up this story when uh, uh, he this was an exchange program of sorts where uh, he had to stay in somebody's house as part of the whole thing uh, it was very mm-hmm. interesting experience where he recalled a very vivid story uh, pretty much on the same lines uh, when you talk about uh, this context right so right. he reached and uh, apparently he was uh, you know tired from the journey and everything and he was uh, hungry the host uh, naturally did uh, offer uh, him something to eat or uh, but uh, in our culture it's uh, steep to refuse things the first time people ask you right yeah. so he did that yeah. hoping that <laughs> they would probably you know force him a couple of times later or something but yeah. host ended up uh, you know okay oh uh, she offered for the first time he said no and she was like okay thank you <laughs> you can uh, go to your bed or something like that and he was yeah. you know, uh, super hungry the entire night <laughs> yeah 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 we in a lot of ways there is so much uh, things unspoken or these intricacies yes uh, yes uh, very peculiar to india right? yeah or i'm not sure maybe it's uh, it's a europe thing and uh, uh, yeah yeah it's it's what it's not necessarily very peculiar to india because it's probably a asian thing right so oh, yeah. uh, as someone who has uh, studied law in two different countries uh, with mm-hmm. a ton of perspective and you have a lot more context than a lot of uh, people practicing law per se mm-hmm. uh so what what is the current landscape like for you as a lawyer uh, when you look at india right uh maybe i i don't want to get into the politics of things uh, or anything mm-hmm. but uh, more clarity on what i'm talking about uh, you have you know all these bills getting passed you know uh, things like getting rid of triple talaq the adultery mm-hmm. law and uh, decriminalizing gay marriage just just some of the things that uh, as a passive observer that i see in the judicial system in just the last couple of years right so this mm-hmm. for for me it feels like this is the most progressive things have been for india as such Okay. Uh, um yeah i'm 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 inclined to agree with you it's definitely progressive and that's something that was uh, quite late it could it should have been long back but yeah we are at least moving towards it i see these changes and i'm and i'm of course hoping for more because there's a lot more like for example uniform civil code should probably be the next on uh, online that we we need to have we also need to have a lot of laws which take away um, the unscientific parts of our um i mean legal system where where you know it's based more on uh, religion or or things like that which are not necessarily in vogue anymore and should not be uh, impacting people's lives so yeah i think it's good where we are moving it's slow but it's good so uh, on the same lines again uh, tying to your french his connection mm-hmm. what is something that when you compare the two systems what is something that you really like here uh, and what is something that pisses you off um okay so firstly we cannot compare the two systems they are very different uh, with each one working for that country i cannot imagine the indian system in france and i cannot imagine the french system in india it won't work right so the countries are um, right to follow what they follow and uh, it uh, it is a 
it is a success at least um but what do i like about india what i really really like about india uh, the laws is the fact that we have the british system that we have precedents that we have we are a common law country i think uh, any student of law uh, especially the more uh, we get exposed to other legal systems realizes how elegant and beautiful common law is and uh, so yeah that's something that i absolutely like uh, about india and it works for india what's what's the what's common the... law i mean sorry to be a no behavior okay <laughs> so basically the difference between the common like common law basically is a law which um, which takes so all of the countries which follow the english legal system are common law countries so basically usually the countries that were colonized by england but basically we inherited their legal system uh, so for india i have to speak for india because i mean law is very very territorial and it depends on each country but for india for example the fact that we have precedents which means um, that the judgments the previous judgments are binding uh, or the higher courts judgments are binding on the lower courts this for example is something that is uh, a feature of the common law system so this is really elegant this is really useful so that's something that i really uh, like about the, the other thing is like we are not so bunch of other features like we have delegated legislation we are not we have a constitution that's supreme the law of the land is not the civil code so to speak so i i'm not sure if i'm getting too technical but what i'm basically trying to say is at the base it's very different from a civil law country uh, like uh, france so it's something that you cannot interchange them each country has its history and it works because it works for that country and that population for example to imagine india without a federal structure like uh, laws at this the state level as well as you know the municipal level and the central level we need to because we are such a huge country and it's so diverse that it's not possible for the parliament in delhi mm-hmm. to actually make laws for uh, what happens in a small town in goa it's just not possible right whereas france is it's, it's a much smaller country much more homogeneous and uh, this is, i mean it's it's more legislative country which means the constitution is not as important uh, as the civil code is whereas we don't have such a thing as civil code in india we have a bunch of different laws covering different uh, topics so the system is very very different um, you cannot really you know which, which um, brings me to what is something that you don't like about the system um i think i touched upon it when we spoke a little bit i actually like systems i like the law what i have a problem with is people and uh, that is a much more complicated problem to solve so it's less about the system and more about um lack of integrity in people now how do you solve that right because lack of integrity is not only a feature of the legal system it's a feature of every person's life everywhere right as students we lack integrity as as teachers we lack in, i mean in every domain uh, it's a problem so the the thing that really bothers me is this it's not the system i'm sorry if i'm like disappointing with my answer <laughs> but uh, if it, if it is anticlimactic but yeah that's that's really what i believe yeah that uh, that is a bitter pill to swallow right mhm and much more difficult problem to solve yeah <laughs> yeah i mean may, maybe oh, i yeah i think like you say this whole anything that's got to do with law or legal system that's like a never ending rabbit hole to speak right yeah, it's so, complex <laughs> of course it's complex yes yeah maybe uh, let's let's uh, one of i'm switching gears a bit from uh, you know mm-hmm. the law centric conversation that i put you in the opening uh, few minutes uh, one of the other interesting things about your profile is a large part of uh, whose life revolves around the indian legal system mm-hmm. and actually as a lawyer you have a 
polar side to yourself right with the uh, mm-hmm. relationship counseling and uh, coaching people and everything and uh, to cap that off you are a brilliant writer so this oh is God, not, thank you <laughs> this is not a combination that uh, you usually see in people right uh, i feel like that's an interesting juxtaposition so um, what gives yeah i i hear you um, but here uh, let me try to do something uh, uh, let me try to do the opposite in fact let me point out the similarities yeah uh, that would tell you why it makes a lot of sense so as a lawyer or as a as a coach or as a, even a thinker for that matter or even a writer um what is my uh, forte what my forte is or what i actually study and specialize in is clarity it's clear thinking right uh, so it's clarity actually that helps a lawyer you know, win a case it's also clarity that helps me help my clients when i'm uh, going through a relationship coaching session because when people come to me whether they coming whether they were coming in the past as as litigants or as clients to a lawyer and now when they're coming to me as um as couples or people who want advice relating to marital discord or, or things like that um what they actually coming to me for is because they're stuck with something they're stuck in a situation where they're not able to decide now before when i was a lawyer i i can i could tell the procedure of the the law like the next step the legal steps that a person is supposed to take um but even before that so that takes clarity as well because there are a bunch of things that people can do there are like five or six ways that people can go but based on the person what they want their cultural expect the cultural background their expectations i'd advise what exactly is the best suitable course for them it's something similar that i actually do it's just that it happens slightly before um anybody takes a legal step so here too i help them uh, gain clarity with cutting the clutter going on in their mind dividing the issues and dealing them one by one so i don't see that as anything that's um in opposition in fact it's quite coherent <laughs> that that's- <laughs> that's that's definitely a very um uh, very interesting perspective right uh, at, yeah. at, like you said at the end of the day uh, the common thread is uh, in fact clarity so one one of the things uh, that you focus on in a lot of your quran answers are you put uh, you place as your expertise is uh, marriages so one of the things that i have been super super curious about is the way marriages has evolved in the last 10 years alone and uh, i i notice that any time i have a discussion especially with people uh, from the previous generation uh, mm-hmm. uh, so we have a very uh, contrasting views on the ma- marriage system as such someone who's uh, growing up in 2020 to say even someone who uh, went through the system like a decade back right so mm-hmm. why what do you think is behind the evolution of uh, the way we look at marriages right uh, from yeah. where it has uh, it has transformed from being something that was the cornerstone of your life to being captain mm-hmm. yeah so um this is very interesting and this is not just ha- something that's happening in india it's actually happening globally and in i mean in india we are slightly late if you actually uh, think about it but uh, yeah we're getting there so basically what's a cornerstone uh, model of marriage a cornerstone ma- model of marriage is where um people marry young uh, and build their life around uh, the marriage right where uh, in the marriage whatever are the mistakes the pitfalls the 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 problems are considered normal because every couple goes through that right and uh, so regardless of any of that you never ever think of a divorce or separation 
right because it's around that around your marriage your entire life is built people would marry before uh, they 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 get a house or buy anything for themselves or or people would marry immediately after they are you know um old enough of they just finished uh, their education and they just got their first job or something and they would marry before uh, so and women would marry uh, even earlier so this was this was the cornerstone uh, model of marriage from there we've actually moved in three generations now uh, marriages have become something that, uh, that that's completely disconnected from what it was before so this is the first time for example uh, that you have uh, couples where both of them are working the equal amount of time both of them are probably earning the equal amount of money right so this um is something very new this probably did not exist even one generation back it was a rarity now it's becoming a norm at least in urban india so this is the change and the, then the change that happens from cornerstone which was a previous kind of marriage to the model which has changed to capstone which means that people don't marry early the, the age of marriage is getting pushed ahead and ahead the age of children is getting pushed ahead and ahead so people are having children late people are having less number of children because women are working so so there are a number of reasons behind this and because we want to get all our ducks in order before we marry so the idea today like in my generation and even more your generation and even it's going to change more future generations is that i want to solve my life first i want to sort everything before i marry so basically i want to date people i want to um earn my money i want to make a career i want to have a place to stay i want to have my own car i want to buy so all of those things which three generations back people did in their 40s and 50s you know as as they moved along in the marriage is something everything that we want to do before and then when we are ready and when we are settled we will marry so this is capstone so marriage acts as a capstone to people's life basically so this is i mean i'm exaggerating slightly but it's going towards this direction I so this is how it transformed client account of uh, where things stand actually right you have put it in uh, amazing yes. manner uh my 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 one wonderment <laughs> the code mm-hmm. <laughs> ras geller is uh, how how do you deal with this when uh, on on one hand uh, the way the current generation looks at things uh, has become more and more liberating uh, in a way uh, mm-hmm. i yeah call it uh, forward thinking uh, liberating or uh, whatever it is right again uh, not mm-hmm. get into uh, get caught with the terms or uh, political terms like this right mm-hmm. uh, but you still have the people from previous generation who are essentially responsible for uh, again responsibly in court side who take it upon mm-hmm. them to make these decisions for the next generation you know uh, mm-hmm. on one hand you have a kid uh, who's exposed to totally different things like the nat- latest netflix shows uh, like uh, mm-hmm. all these sitcoms where you yeah. where you are uh, you are far ahead of the curve of where mm-hmm. things are heading as such on the other mm-hmm. hand you have these parents from previous generation mm-hmm. who are uh, again not a judge or anything but who are uh, you know still in their shell uh, yeah to put it metaphorically and i i i hear a lot of conflicts arising just on this one uh, subject as well right this uh, goes through for a lot of things but again when uh, you try to uh, change this fundamental uh, their fundamental belief about marriage most of the times it mm-hmm. ends up becoming a huge issue right so yeah how how do we get there in a more amicable manner yeah so um the the, the basic thing to understand here is that uh, you cannot please everybody firstly secondly um certain amount of conflicts between generations is normal it's been happening and it's happening more now because the transitions or the um the changes are huge 
right? This is the generation, for example, for the first time, where everything is up for discussion between a couple, between me and my um, husband or boyfriend, for example, in this generation, for the first time, we are going to discuss things like, okay, um, uh, whose money is going to be used for uh, what matter, right? Uh, who is going to be making more money? Whose career will take a backseat? Um, after the kids are born, when the kid, uh, when the child wakes up in the middle of the night, who's going to wake up, right? Who's going to take care of the... So, so all of these discussions were not something that were discussed before. The rules were fixed. This was not... Whatever was outside of the house, the man dealt with it. Whatever was inside the house, the woman would... So there was this equitable distribution of uh, work, which was very, very clear. What has changed now? Yeah, you can say that people are more liberated. Of course, yeah, there's more, e the, the, the relationship has become more egalitarian where, where both of them are becoming more and more equal in terms of their desires and wants as well and, and their assertiveness as well. But what's the flip side or what's the difficulty of this is basically while it brings a lot of flexibility to the couple, it also brings up a lot of negotiation for which we are extremely ill-prepared right because the models that we grow up seeing are not the models that we are going to create so we have to understand here that what is happening is a transition that people are going through all alone with no help or very less help which is why if you have to solve the situation amicably it's something that both these generations have to understand that okay this is changing nothing good or bad there, there is no point labeling it it's just how it is so while this is changing how do we help people uh, you know through the change how do we make people understand that okay uh, the, the there is a transition and everything is up for negotiation okay that is the case how do you negotiate it well how do you negotiate it equitably you know that's something that 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 people can help you with the more experience you have um, you have experience of negotiation, you have experience of dealing, like, like, I will never take away something that the previous generation has, which is more experience in terms of uh, the, the life that they've seen. Except that experience has to be given a different context now, and it has to be adapted. So this is something that can only come by reflection and communication. But beyond a point, you cannot please everybody. So, and, and, and what's really important in interpersonal relationships are boundaries, right? So what are you willing to listen to and what are you willing to compromise on? It's something that each person has to decide for their own self. But boundaries are really important. Mm, so it's, it's a complex thing. I mean, it's, it doesn't yeah, have an easy answer. It's like you have a car right? uh, and the car's engine is like... Uh, the latest one and uh, it's uh, electric powered and uh, it has like the best uh, windshield and everything but instead yeah. of the wheels you still have like two horses you know tied <laughs> to the front certain, I like your <laughs> certain aspects have uh, you know progressed beyond our imagination yeah. Yeah. But we are left wanting, you know, uh, we are playing ca basically catch up in other equally important, other pieces of the puzzle, right? Yeah. So, and it doesn't help that uh, the people, uh, the so-called conservative generation, right? Yeah. And they are getting pulled into the filter bubble where they are less and less open to adopting these... Uh, yeah your way of doing things yeah. and on yeah. the other hand you have the current generation uh who's again drawn towards a different filter bubble right i did did yeah. you get a chance to watch the social dilemma of course i did of course yeah did. see yeah. this is this is yeah. exactly what they uh, portray yeah. beautiful manner right and, yeah and even if you take uh, personally, I, I have such a hard time convincing the closest ones from the previous generation to even sit down and watch that film, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to be a, a real challenge, right? And, yeah. and like you say, there has to be that realization that uh, 
things are not going to be the way they used to be and that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah uh, that's true and this, this is where people like you right? people uh, who are experts uh, come in and uh, actually help out people right and yeah. again this is this is another problem right there is still the stigma around counseling and i was talking to uh, indu the psychologist uh, only yesterday Mm-hmm. Uh, on one of the other episodes and uh, this is exactly what we were discussing about as well you are at a time where you need help like never before right yeah whether it is psychologists or it's life coaches or relationship counselors and the sad part is uh, that's that's still not the case with the majority of the population that yeah. willingness to accept that you need help right yeah it's because we don't allow failure we don't accept failure whereas failure is actually a beautiful thing right and whether whether you i mean accept it or not it's bound to happen in one domain or the other because that means you tried that means you you did something mm-hmm. the only way to not fail is to never try right Right. so this is the, and and also the other side of it that we are extremely risk averse as countries i mean we we cannot take any risk we cannot take any we cannot make a single mistake and that that's not how life works right that's that's true right even before the chat i was uh, talking uh, to you about you know the whole risk taking thing right in a in a around mm-hmm. a professional circle and only now uh, you know uh, that i am starting to see that the only way to ensure that long term uh, happiness is to take the risk that you want to right and of course just when you are spot on about failure but the thing is it's perceived failure right it's not really of course of course. Mm. of course it goes without saying right and uh, yeah that's that's the part right and seeing something like a divorce as a failure <laughs> yes which is um yeah it's it's how it's seen and it's it contributes to the taboo and everything it's also i mean if you have depression it's seen as failure as well i mean in, in so many ways if you have any mental health um, problem it's seen as a failure so um i think beyond a point we should not be paying much heed to to these kind of um, judgments mm. because that's what it is and uh, it does not do anybody any good so it sh- it should just be ignored <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm all in for you know not judging <laughs> yeah but i'm also you know i mean yeah <laughs> the judges <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know i was just trying to say that we should stop ig- i mean we should we should be ignoring people who are judging basically not to say that you're judging i was just saying yeah i mean uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and these kind of judgments should just be ignored <laughs> so i i actually uh, one of the things that uh, i ask people in general in these conversation is uh, if you had a billboard in which you could say anything and the billboard gets placed in every city in the world so what is something you want to say and i always felt like if i had that chance is mm-hmm. to be something like uh, whose life is it anyway you know yeah if, if everybody just asked that question i yeah. i feel like we'll so- pretty much solve 90% of the clashes yeah. and the riots and everything that we have that's true that's true okay. if i were doing that i'd probably add something to that like whose life is it anyways is 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 an interesting one but i'd also add that you know what own your shit <laughs> own your life you are the owner of your life you are the person who's writing a story here so own it so that's that's really important well this has been interesting and uh, i'll switch gears again mm-hmm. because uh, since uh, i mentioned that i am going to have this conversation today i had a lot of people uh, 
who really wanted to ask you things basically right. <laughs> yeah we will what come across you on cora and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i i just have a bunch of questions and uh, i'm i'm not going to go into the details of uh, mm-hmm. who is it from or where is it from or anything like that and yeah. they they may not also overlap uh, with whatever that we have uh, been discussing so far right so i oh. i'll just jump this into some random all right the first thing is uh, i think this is uh, yeah i think this is from a lawyer's lens i'd say who decides mm-hmm. freedom of speech and where is the line drawn um who decides freedom of speech usually the law okay so now where is the line drawn depends on the country uh, and depends on which law we are talking about um but freedom of speech is something that's uh, it really depends on other political uh concepts it's not just independence so freedom of speech and expression depends on what's your take on religion what's your take on uh, certain other taboos of the society that you can't talk about let's say holocaust denial right for example holocaust denial is something that's uh, illegal in most of europe so that's something that's considered really wrong in in that part of the world so it really it has a context of um, political concepts around it so in india for example um, we are a secular country but our secular our secularism is way different from let's say the french brand of secularism which is called laicite so where uh, they're very clear about their freedom of speech and expression and it's how important it is whereas we um have multiple issues like um one of the one of the issues is like there isn't a lot of clarity over offense and what's considered offense secondly a lot of this is manipulated by politicians themselves right so so th- th- this these adds to the conundrum in a place like india so even if i were to give you there isn't a clear cut answer to what is freedom of speech and expression whether where, where are the, the lines drawn whereas in the in the french context for example i can tell you exactly where the, the lines are drawn and it's extremely clear for the french why so why that, why is it the same not true for in a country like france because the, i mean because because france has had its renaissance uh, and its french revolution in the 1700s right so they they and we are a very young country and also we are a religious country whereas france for the most part uh, is completely secular so our secularism is basically uh, that the state will not favor one religion over the other that that's our secularism uh, or uh, whereas the french brand of secularism the state will not Uh, interfere in the matters of religion at all not not in the sense that we we cure it in the sense that um the state will not change like we have personal laws for example in india in france you will never have that so in the french context in laicite for example what they make it very clear to just to tell you is um they say that criticizing people or racism or races okay is illegal mm-hmm. okay so that's where they draw the first line however criticizing ideas or concepts is not illegal right so religion is an idea or a concept mm-hmm. so it it's an opinion so that is 100% open to criticism mm. but criticizing or or saying things that are offensive to let's say jewish people or black people that's illegal because you are actually criticizing people you see you see the big difference there yeah i mean uh, probably i don't have that political clarity to take a stand on these things right i i understand it's also very legal i mean when what i'm describing is of course very legal also and something on those same lines is say i mean freedom of speech is uh one thing that i've been curious uh, is where do uh, these new age platforms come in with respect to all these laws we have uh, to to give you an example is like you have these uh, shows from netflix 
uh, which which doesn't really follow the same uh, censorship laws that typical television mm-hmm. does, right? So, because currently they have the freedom to do so. Yeah. Uh, before before I uh, I mean give you a like like a direct answer. Basically, I have to just say that any regulation, to my eyes, is not a problem. Because that's the job of the government to regulate, right? But whether it's banning something, whether it's including something, and the you know the details of that, and how does that change the nature of one platform to the other, and why? All that is relevant. But you cannot have an opinion without actually reading the law and reading the purpose of the law. Uh, so I'll move to the next one here. Uh, mm-hmm. Is liberals and conservatives as simple as left and right in India? Oh, I'm so inadequate to ask these questions. I know. Um, uh, honestly, uh, no, because uh, uh, the, the I mean, this divide of liberals and conservatives, I don't know if it's necessarily the divide that uh, we should be focusing on in the sense that i'll tell you uh, world over there is a division between the left and the right right and the details depends on each country's politics uh, what's left in one country and what's right in the uh, the, the general norms are similar but the details can go different um, what i'm trying to get at basically is this division of liberals and conservatives and this polarization that is taking place more and more in the world now is less about i i think liberals and conservatives there's enough studies about this actually uh, it's more about people who are political and people who are not political okay so to give you an example um a recent study that was done was basically uh, asking people things like um, you know just asking you one question okay without any more information like for example you are let's say you're a liberal and you've been asked or you say you're a democrat and you've been asked that you know your child is probably going to marry a, a republican uh where do you stand on that your answer uh, really dip, i mean we think the answer depends on whether the person is liberal or democrat mm-hmm. but uh, sorry democrat or republican but it really depends on how political that person is so most people when asked this one question answered that i would have a problem if it's the opposite side right but let's say you gave them another qualifying um info piece of information so let's say you ask them okay you are a republican and your child is going to marry a democrat but that person is really not interested in politics and is really not going to talk about it suddenly the number of people who had a problem with their child marrying the opposite side dropped because now they have this additional piece of information which tells them that the person is not very political so this polarization is that left between um, i think liberals and democrats or, or liberals and republicans sorry yeah and more about how political certain people are and how political certain people are not wow this is another interesting one how is sex a taboo in india when scriptures and sculptures tell a different story <laughs> But, um it it it's it's a very it's a very valid ask in my opinion at least yeah no, but i think it's it's because we we confuse between two things here because uh, see the, the scriptures or or the ter- temples which showcase um sex very openly is coming from a very different context then you having a conversation about sex with your child right um so or uh, you uh, sitting in the same drawing room and watching a movie which is showing two people kissing uh, as a family with your parents and children there do, do you hear so these two are very different contexts so there is taboo in one but not taboo in another and that's because those two are very different contexts these same people are not going to visit kajurao with their children do, do you see what i mean so the the 
the scriptures or these temples are relics of a past that today don't um, kind of interact with your present life at all at all but the context in which we live the context in which um, we interact with the opposite sex the kind of uh, ideas that we have the kind of negativity that surrounds uh, sex is something that we see in day to day life that's where the taboo comes from so those two are extremely different contexts mm. yeah again this is another interesting perspective i think you're going to like the next one this is somehow an extension of the previous question mm-hmm. but from the other side right again the other side in quotes there mm-hmm. just to clarify and i'll read out the entire uh, question it's yeah it's it's a fairly mm-hmm. long question as well the hindu scriptures does not recognize divorce between couple nor does it recognize same sex marriages the secular state has no say in religious rituals of its subjects why mm-hmm. pass a hindu marriage act and include uh, divorce in this uh, again a disclaimer is however with increasing uh, cases of uh, abuse and uh, other other all these extreme cases provision for divorce is very much needed i am not denying that but just curious about the other part of the question uh, okay there are a number of questions here <laughs> uh, so uh, 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 i think it began with the fact that hindu scriptures don't really recognize divorce right and same sex marriages so let's divide the two same sex marriages are not recognized by the law even now so all that the law has done is decriminalized homosexuality which means that um, people will not face a jail sentence that's about it um but there is no such thing as same sex marriages at least now on on paper anywhere in india recognized by the law uh hindu scriptures don't recognize divorce is yeah but we don't live by the scriptures in fact most hindu people uh would would have a huge problem if religion starts governing their um day to day life including me uh, even though i i i do fall in the category of a hindu as far as this country goes but um a divorce is not recognized because look the scriptures don't recognize the divorce because the scriptures really believe in marriage not just for one life but for seven lives this is the reason why there is no divorce however modern life does not really work like that right so we have marriage and that's why we need to have a divorce because if two people want to be together they should be allowed to separate if they don't want to be together because you know we live with fundamental freedoms in the country um why do we have uh i mean why pass a hindu marriage act was the question yeah i think uh, it was why because why does the hindu marriage act contain uh, divorces well because it has marriage in it it has to have divorce in it because how can you just say that two people um, once married will never be able to separate i mean it's just violation of people's fundamental rights so that trumps religion so i, I mean just uh, just to clarify on a personal level so mm-hmm. that is, does that work the same way for other religions as well or yes you have you have separate laws uh, for each religion of marriage as well as divorce you have the christian you have a different law for christians you have a different law for parsis you have a different law for muslims so why do we have different laws is another question that's that's mm-hmm. an independent question because we have uh, we don't have uniform civil code um, up until now that's the reason why we have uh, personal laws are governed by religion that, did i answer the question so actually i think that would be an interesting place to wrap this conversation so mm-hmm. i i why why is there uh, so much disconnect between law and a common person unlike something like uh, say i mean to take a parallel from my industry say if facebook twitter 
they rule the world uh, every person even in tier 2 tier 3 they are comfortable with facebook or twitter or amazon mm-hmm. or say swiggy whatever it is right uh, the same goes for shopping right mm-hmm. but why can't uh, i wouldn't ask why can't it be the case for law how how do you see uh, this problem how do you think we we'll, moving forward we will uh, reduce that disconnect between a common person and the law that they are governed by ah uh, i'm not sure i'm convinced of the disconnect in the sense that uh, i understand that the common person feels disconnected with the law that is very different from the disconnect actually being there right you you actually going on a highway and you meet with an accident it's the most common occurrence right it can happen to anybody right you let's say you just you know two cars just banged mm-hmm. nobody has to die nothing more complicated than just a minor accident has to occur for the law to come into uh, picture so i mean uh, i, I yeah, don't I mean, think that's that's yeah. there right see i have to give you a, a very specific example let's say i uh, let's even take the current scenario let's say i drive on the road but uh, i don't wear a mask right and the police stops me mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. typical conversation i think uh, whether it's mask or license or whatever it is the conversation is mm-hmm. uh, do you want to pay this much fine or uh, do you want to get away with it <laughs> ஒரு <laughs> now that is a complicated thing to do right uh, you need to really make room for exceptions you really need to make room for uh, procedures you really need to make room for uh, the, the context of that situation all of that to be drafted is not easy you can't really have a law which reads like how your facebook post or twitter will read so that it's accessible to common people uh, so so it's complicated uh also it gets more complicated because um we as society have evolved it's become more diverse it's become more crowded it's become more um complicated in the sense that there are more and more third parties being included to everything so if you had just about so if it was just between a doctor and a patient let's say or a contract between two people you now have somebody who is insuring that contract so there's a third party who's coming mm. it gets complicated with with things like that it's just a minor example but it's it's all of these complications that makes it difficult for uh, common people to feel like they can access the law but that then again the point is not to make a law that's uh, that's like poetry you know that everyone loves or something that's not the point the, the point is to govern to to effectively remove conflicts from the society that's such true law sounds a lot like batman <laughs> law is complicated that's true it's a technical thing yeah well uh, that wraps uh, one of the most interesting and uh, offbeat topics that i have what a chance to host you know uh, so uh hopefully i uh, my inadequacies in a lot of topics that we discussed particularly politics does not take away the insightful aspects from your side right so uh, i have, i i don't think i think what i think it helps the fact that you brought in a layman's perspective i think that's what's going to be more relatable 
for people mm-hmm. you don't worry about that yeah, yeah I'll, i'll hope so and maybe we'll we should do a round 2 sometime yeah you know yeah sure. i'll be happy to <laughs> where i can uh, get a better grasp of things and uh, we could have a more uh, intense or heated exchange you know <laughs> sure uh-